G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. surprise to you that sin, our rebellion against God, robs us of his joy. Pretty logical and I'm guessing you've probably experienced that loss of joy through your sin as have I. But there's one sin, I think more than any other, that today is resulting in a chronic lack of joy amongst God's people. And it's that sin that we're going to be talking about today on the program. Hi, I'm Bernie Diamond, and thanks so much for joining me as today we take another look at the joy of the Lord in your life from a different perspective. As I travel around the country, and indeed around the globe, I meet so many people who say that they believe in Jesus, and yet it doesn't take me long to notice that they're experiencing a chronic lack of joy. And can I tell you, I found myself in that place too from time to time. Now, yesterday on the program, we saw that sin of any kind is going to disrupt our deep joy and rob us of that joy and make us weak and susceptible to further attacks from the enemy, attacks that will most certainly come. So let's be clear here. God's plan is for you to be filled with joy. That's what the Bible tells us over and over again. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. But one of the things that works so strongly against that joy and that peace of that hope in our lives is a chronic sin, a sin that becomes worse the more affluent our society becomes. It's the sin of selfishness. And not just self-centeredness, but being self-absorbed. Why back on the program, we spent some time looking at the way in which narcissism has gone from being a rarity to a plague. And the reason is that the more affluent we become, the more the advertising industry tells us that it's all about you. You deserve it. You're worth it. Spend your money on yourself. We're bombarded with this stuff day after day. And eventually, it becomes part of our psyche. It sounds good, doesn't it? Add to that the smartphone phenomenon that, that puts the world in the palm of your hand, that makes you a publisher of selfies in social media, and you can see why so many people have become so self-absorbed. We live in the age of the selfie. They're even making selfie sticks now so that you can put your mobile phone on the end of them and take pictures of yourself. There's a whole movement. In fact, it's, it's the zeitgeist of our times. It's the selfie. Me at the centre of the universe. That's exactly what the Bible says was going to happen. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 2 to 5. Look, people will become lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, inhuman, implacable, slanderers, profligates, brutes, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to an outward form of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid them. Do you like that? People will become lovers of themselves, and that leads to all that arrogance and boasting and all that long list of other things. We've been taught by the society in which we live to put ourselves at the centre of the universe. And the younger you are, 
the more you've been influenced by that. I at least grew up under parents who'd experienced the horrors and deprivation of World War II in Europe, and so built into their psyche was a sense of duty and sacrifice and serving. Some of that rubbed off on me. But we baby boomers have passed something entirely different onto our children, and they onto their children. As conspicuous consumption and rampant consumerism have become more the norm, we've taught them that they're so precious, which of course they are, but to the point where they truly do think and believe, whole generations of them, that they are at the centre of the universe. The problem with being self-absorbed, though, is that the rest of the world doesn't see you as the centre of the universe because they all think that that's a position that belongs to them. So being self-absorbed ends up making you incredibly insecure. I know, because I used to be so incredibly worried about how I looked and how I sounded and, and how I succeeded and this and that and all that other stuff, what people thought of me. And that is a treadmill of self and insecurity that completely robs you of the joy of the Lord. Why? Because it's the complete 180 degree opposite of God's way, God's plan for your life. Of course, there's nothing new in any of this. It's just that these days it's happening in plague proportions. It's a chronic disease that's robbing so many of Jesus' followers of the joy that he has ready and waiting for them. Let's go back and take a look at Jesus' advice and his teaching to two of his disciples who were suffering from this very problem. We're going to Mark chapter 10, beginning at verse 35. Now, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to him and said, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What is it that you want me to do? And they said to him, Grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptised with the baptism that I am baptised with? They replied, Of course we're able. And Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink you will drink, and with the baptism with which I am baptised, you will be baptised. But to sit at my right hand or at my left hand is not mine to grant, but it's for those for whom it has been prepared. When the other ten heard this, they began to get angry with James and John. So Jesus called them all together and said to them, You know that amongst the Gentiles those whom they recognise as their rulers lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it's not so among you. Whoever wishes to become great amongst you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to be the first among you must become the slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So there it is. If selfishness, self-absorption, self-centeredness, the great paradigm of our times is robbing you of the joy of the Lord, then there's only one way to get it back. It's this to follow Jesus' example, the Son of God, the creator of the whole universe, who came to serve you and to die for you. Get a revelation today. You are not the centre of the universe any more than I'm the centre of the universe. And the moment we get that into our heads, everything changes. You heard me say this before, but it's so important, I'm going to say it again. The biggest, the biggest, biggest revelation I had when I became a Christian is the buzz that you get from being a servant. The incredible satisfaction and contentment of using the gifts and the abilities that God's given you to bless other people is something that I've become completely addicted to. 
I spent the first 36 years of my life trying to live with me at the centre of the universe. And boy, I tried hard, but it just didn't work. I was tough and brave on the outside, but on the inside I was a quivering mass of insecurity, always wondering what people were thinking, what people were saying behind my back, and never really impacting anyone's life for the better. Needless to say, there was no joy in my life. Then, by God's grace, he got a hold of my life and he started showing me a different way. It wasn't easy at first, and I have to tell you, some days it's still not that easy, right? But the more I walk along that dusty road of life with Jesus, and the more he shows me the opportunities that he set before me to use the gifts that he's put into my life for other people, which is what it means to be a servant, the more I'm actually starting to enjoy my life. When we come to that same conclusion about Jesus and our lives that John the Baptist came to, then all of a sudden God's joy abides in us more and more. What did John the Baptist say when his disciples came to him, worried that Jesus' ministry was becoming more prominent than his own? John chapter 3, verse 30. John the Baptist said, He must increase, but I must decrease. What a great way of looking at life. What, what a great path to the joy that Jesus has ready and waiting for you. I'd like to remind you that if you have a prayer need, we would love to pray for you. Listen, the only sort of prayer that the Bible teaches about is the sort that has powerful results. Just let that sink in. The only sort of prayer that the Bible teaches about is the sort that has powerful results. So if you'd like us to pray with you, in fact, if you'd like our whole prayer community to pray with you, stop by online at powerfulprayer.org to share your prayer request. It's completely confidential. Your name won't be displayed. And in fact, while you're there, perhaps you could pray for one or two others and leave them an encouraging word as well. The Bible says that the prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. So let us pray for you and with you. And let's just see what God does, how he intervenes, how he chooses to bless you. That web address again is PowerfulPrayer.org. I'm Bernie Diamond. I'll catch you again same time tomorrow with a different perspective. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.